This is Andrew Tremblay, and this is Paradise Arcade. The Paradise Arcade contains graphic language. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to the Paradise Arcade with Kyle and Eric, promoting synthwave music and culture. Welcome to another episode of the Paradise Arcade. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we have very special guest this episode, Andrew Tremblay, uh, slash hashtag stranger. Unfortunately, Kyle's not with us in person. Technical issues uh, prevents him from hearing his voice, his beautiful voice. Uh, as usual, but he is here in his chat. He's listening to the episode as we're uh, recording this, so he's going to be interjecting himself throughout the um, episode, throughout the recording. Uh, as always, please reach out to us on all the social media things. Uh, you can find us on all of the platforms of your choice. Um, obviously, iTunes and SoundCloud and uh all of those things, so please do that. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to bug Kyle, file uh, follow his personal Instagram account and uh, bug him there. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I know that we are in strange times right now. This is kind of like the uh, this is the first show that we've that we've recorded while in this like pandemic thing. Um, so number one, how are you holding up? How's, how's the East coast going for you? I mean, nothing much has really changed for me. It's like, I'm already kind of a, a shut in. So it's like, yeah, I just wake up every day. I guess I wash my hands a little more. <laughs> now, do you have a job where you're able to work from home or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh I do freelance illustration mostly like right now working on a lot of uh, mural projects and other parts of the globe, but you know, I can basically do my job from home. <laughs> you are a lucky man. So both Kyle and I both have what are considered essential jobs. So we have You'd to go into that. work. We have to go into work every single day. So, um, it's very oh, unfortunate for us. Um, but um, what's going on is I think the most relevant thing is you were uh, included on Laser Punk's It Sucks Dick Sideways is what Kyle says. <laughs> um, so you were included on Laser Punk's Different Forms of Power. You, you did a remix of, of uh, that song. So to, how did that yeah. project come about? Well, first of all, that fucking Laser Punk is the, like most has the most like amazing energy I've ever seen an individual because it's like I think every time I've run into him it's like he's ready to fucking like party till four or five in the morning and I don't know I haven't experienced that kind of thing for quite a while it's like I remember like we met uh during a night wave uh hangout with yeah. uh you know group from that party yep and that's where I got to know him and he said he was trying to get me involved on that project. And yeah, that was pretty much it. It's like, I like what he does. Apparently he liked what I did. So I'm, I was, I'm pretty pumped and I'm happy that he, that, uh, 
turned out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyle saying he is very driven and positive. Yes, exactly. It's like, it's very opposite my uh, curmudgeon kind of <laughs> personality. He picked up, uh, he said he picked the right time to stop playing live shows. <laughs> uh, yes, he did. Um, yeah, not a bad call. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a really weird timing if you think about it. Wow. Um, yeah, so Kyle, I yeah. got to see him live and he had a, a very humorous, um, mishap on stage where there was some um goth kids dancing in the front and they knocked they like ripped out the power cord from his rig and just he just shut down completely then he joked that like he had played like i forget like 32 like dates before this and he had no issues so he surprised it he said he was surprised it took him this long to have some sort of issue playing live so but what city was that it was minneapolis Oh, it was Minneapolis. Yeah, it was wow. Minneapolis, yeah. So that was the stop that he'll remember as, you know, where someone ripped the, the power. The death of the live electronics, someone unplugs your uh, yeah. your stuff. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know, and, I, and maybe you have some insight into this, but, you know, that he stopped playing because he felt that he couldn't, like, do the kind of live show that he wanted to do or do it in a way that was... Um, I guess I don't know who he's comparing himself to, but when we saw him, I thought that he put on a fantastic show. So it's interesting that he kind of retired from that. Yeah. I mean, do you have any sure. thought into that? Or I mean, I, I can't speak necessarily on behalf of him, um, but I can totally relate and understand. It's like, there's a lot of, you know, technical stuff you need to go through with like performing live, uh, having a lot of gear can get tedious, especially with like, you know, things happen like technical issues, uh, gear going missing, a computer shutting down. It's like, there's a great number of those things. And when you're, it's like, it's different when you're a band because you're yeah. all kind of like looking out for each other. But when you're just like one guy, like in charge of all of it, it's pretty stressful. And every once in a while, it's hard to come back from that stuff, especially in the world of smoke and mirrors, live electronic music. Right. Right. I mean, you know, I felt that he was, he was doing, I, I couldn't, um, I don't know exactly what he was doing, but he was definitely doing some stuff on some MIDI triggers and stuff like that. So, I mean, he wasn't totally, right. and he was definitely like bringing the energy I thought. So, um, exactly. I, I think that's like the main key and that's what makes laser punk, punk such, like an enjoyable live presence because he does get really into it. He does amp the crowd up. And I think that is kind of the most important part because sometimes like, and I've seen this in a lot of ways, like people that have like an all analog rig are standing up there and it seems very tedious. It's yeah. a very different kind of experience. It depends on what you want to get out of the music. Yeah. So Kyle says uh, he felt that he wasn't giving his all in performances and he also he played in an ethiopian restaurant so that was a very strange place because i we weren't even really sure like are we at the right place this is a laser punk show right like where are we going and it's you know an ethiopian restaurant i'd and... only tour ethiopian restaurants <laughs> if I could. so uh yeah Kyle says, ha ha ha. <laughs> that in like 7-Elevens. Obviously, that's that's very clear. So um, that's where I'm going to find my major fan base right there. 
<laughs> that would be tight. <laughs> oh, Kyle, thank you for bringing the humor, even though you, I can't hear your voice. Um, so let's get into a little bit. How, what was, how did you get into the, like the synth dark wave thing? Was it music first? Was it illustration first? How did that happen? Well, I've always kind of like juggled between the two. And it's like, you know, I grew up mostly listening to mostly like metal, but had like kind of a young, like fledgling interest in electronic music. Um, but yeah, like old 80s horror movies and 70s horror flicks like that is kind of like something that I really got into when I was younger. And then as I grew up and my taste in music kind of evolved, it's like I started getting really into producing like electronic things, met up with like a lot of uh, DJ types in New York, and I started doing like trash electro. And then kind of around 2011 or so, I started noticing the kind of meld between these kind of retro wave sounds mixed with trash electro. And that kind of, you know, became what I think dark wave is, or not dark wave, dark synth. Dark synth, yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's where it all started. Like, I don't know. I most of what I currently listen to is either metal or industrial, and I try to implement. I don't know. I just try to ha approach it with a little bit more of a a different sound design than most standard synth wave. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely for sure. And I, I really, it, you know, my opinion is that the banner synth wave, dark synth wave or whatever it is, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of room for what you can do within the genre. It, you know, it's a pretty oh, right. fast Absolutely. and loose thing. And, and, you know, especially amongst the dark wave, if you, if you look at like the top tier right. of, of dark synth people, they all have very distinct sounds. If you, you know, Carpenter Brew to Dance with the Dead to Magic Sword, Perturbator, Ghost, you know, like, yeah, they all have their very partic particular niche, um, but they're still kind of, you know, they're all under that umbrella. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of in a weird way. It's like a very niche umbrella genre because then you kind of take into routes because a lot of these people, it seems like they didn't like. I know uh, Destroyer yeah, uh, Chris. Chris came from like, you know, dubstep and different dance music backgrounds. So he kind of approached it from that angle. Um, meanwhile, there's like some people doing the all analog new retro thing. I'm not sure right. if they were doing that, you know, 10 years ago or not, or if that's just something they picked up once they started hearing that synth wave was a thing. Um and I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> it's, it, 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 it happens. It's all good. We go on tangents. So, you know, it goes where it goes. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and that's very, it's a very interesting, you know, thing that what you say. So your, your journey was kind of like a slow, maybe introduction. Like you were into one form of electronic music and you started hearing other elements of what would become dark synth. I, I suppose, yes. It's like, um, let's see, like around 2010 or so, I was doing mostly trash electro. And I kind of did that for a little bit. It didn't really go anywhere, pan out. Um, 
but in around around like 2013 2014 i started delving into more of kind of these different retro sounds and simultaneously uh like industrial and techno yeah. i think that stuff is kind of becoming more prominent in synthwave because people are liking some of the similar uh tones of the music it's like you see Gestaffelstein evidence in pretty much mm -hmm. any dark synth like musician today do and you, do you I think, don't know, I think it's interesting to see where that goes yeah do you think that's like a rise out of like people getting into like say ghost or into perturbator and then doing exploration of maybe some of the roots of where they're coming from and right and then and then it's like oh this is where it comes from or is you yeah. think there's a there's an age element too because i think like the first wave of of retro synth kind of folk are of a particular age group and and now you've got 20 year olds that are also into dark synth and and synth wave and they're obviously their viewpoint is very different if they didn't grow up in the 80s if 90s right. is your particular background then you know nine inch nails and and those kinds of things as opposed to like you know 80s industrial or the roots of you know industrial or like even goth music right. from the 80s yeah like skinny puppy and then ebm kind of things right yeah I, i'd say there is maybe a yeah kind of like a breaking up in the age but it's like i've kind of just noticed it's like it seems like you get into it just by hearing one act. Yes. Uh, just totally out of it. And it's like, even acts like ghost, it's like way early on. He was kind of, he also kind of fit in that trash electro kind of scene. Like he did that, uh, orchid remix for disco death. Yeah. Who kind of also is that culmination of synthy kind of retro like sounds yeah. mixed with very dark, kind of heavy electronic so kyle says it just hits you and you were like where has this been all of my life <laughs> right and and that's because a, it's, yeah. it reminds because then it reminds me of like those movies and stuff that i grew up with and that was the initial thing where it's like i guess i'll start saying i'm something <laughs> right yeah and it, i guess that's a, a really kind of a loaded uh, subject because it really depends on where your viewpoint of synth wave as the umbrella is and what it represents. Um, yeah. Can maybe, you know, because it's, again, it's like, there's like, there's so many subgenres of synth wave. It's hard for me to keep up with. Um, yeah. It's, there's way too many. There's way too many. It, I think it's a little silly to, cause it's already kind of a niche. It's, it's a, it's a niche genre as it is being that it's all kind of, the whole mechanism of it is this kind of nostalgic reinterpretation of, you know, eighties themes, either musically or visually, but it's kind of done with either modern technology, like, you know, Ableton and all that, all the kind of new accoutrements, right. Uh, that need to be able to do it like straight up analog, like they're trying to emulate or reappropriate those exact tools and sound design. Um, but I think, it takes an interesting turn because even after like one album, you see people are starting to listen to new things and it's starting to show up in their music. Oh, absolutely. It's impossible to not be, you would have to shut yourself off from all outside influence to not have that show up. And I think it's, you know, I think you're very, you know, 
um, you know, nail on the head, if you will, on that point. Because if you like, I'll I'll throw it to like Ghost. It seems like Ghost, sure. the initial kind of things was like he was sort of like electronic stark synth and mm-hmm. and you felt elements of like depeche mode or industrial or black metal and then as he's progressed through he's brought those other elements more forward and the the initial elements are not there as much anymore where you know he's really genre pushing you know like the last album like each song is almost a, a different subgenre if you will as opposed to a completely right. coherent it's all of this thing, which I really appreciate. You're, you're referring to Ghost's work? Yeah. Yep. The yeah. Uh, Valediction, you know, like the Valediction is very oh, yeah. different than Skull. Well, like, his is like been gradually evolving into more, like, because he pretty much is like a metal band now. Yes. Yeah. More of an approach of, you know, totally different kind of vibes. It's still dark and yeah. heavy, but like even on this last one, it's clearly like, very reminiscent of like early ministry. <laughs> yeah. Like mi- you're familiar with that. Oh, absolutely. Ministry okay. m- mixed with like Depeche mode. I mean, those are all my, yeah. you know, my, for me personally, like, ministry is like my frontline assembly, skinny puppy. Those are all my hallmarks right. of like industrial and what, what those are. Godflesh, you know, et cetera. So yeah. like, oh, dude, Godflesh. Yeah. So like that's where that's where I and that's that's because I'm old. So uh, oh, dude, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then obviously like having Nine Inch Nails there, and you know you've got KMFDM and so on and so forth. So like those are the things you know like that I really enjoy. Um, and so I hear that in like Ghost, and then I also hear like Depeche Mode in some of those things, and it's a very interesting mashup right. i'm curious to well, it's like industrial and new wave kind of always you know carried some of those similar stylistic themes right uh make ministry new wave again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I appreciate i appreciate different realms of it <laughs> yeah um so how, it's really interesting because you you've done you've kind of got two hats going in in the scene and you know, most people wouldn't know you, but you're like the secret weapon to a lot of dark synth people just with your artwork. How did that come about? How did you get into doing, um, you know, album covers and whatnot for folks? I, I feel like it started, I mean, it started when, uh, when, what was it? Damien from, uh, the, through the human music festival, that first one, it was a all synth show. We even had some like chip artists and stuff come out. It's like I had done a poster for the festival along with uh, our buddy Adam Carini. Okay. Um, then shortly after, uh, I got hit up by <clears throat> Sam Valentine, yep. who had this idea for the party Nightwave. And so I actually started doing, I think I did the first couple years of Nightwave uh, posters. And Awesome. Through that, I think that's when I started doing work for a lot more uh, synthwave-based musicians. Because up until that point, it was kind of all over the place for me. And do you have like a... Is your art style your art style? 
or have you do you cater it towards like the genre that you're playing in i try to keep it eclectic it's like i want i don't want to how do i put this it's like i like kind of art directing a vibe for uh, an artist's album so it's like if they come to me with a certain idea it's like i can create something that pays a homage to you know what it's referencing it's like a destroyer for example like yeah. we really like old kind of shitty horror movies right it's like i think he likes the the weirder like like the really b movie kind and i'm a little bit more towards like the david cronenberg side of things but right right we both like the like posters and the aesthetic of those uh 70s and 80s films so when he came at me with um fucking panic it's like, dude, this is going to be a perfect opportunity to like just write about like the band film that was terrifying and scary. So that was like a, it was basically cultivating this kind of theme for it. And, you know, something that was reminiscent of the styles of those kind of early horror movie posters. But I still typically do everything hand drawn unless otherwise, you know, asked for. <laughs> Damn. So that's, that's a pretty, you know, intensive process then because you've been posting on instagram i think you're the the progress of one of the drawings that you're doing right yeah 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 that's it's your it's pencil and then inking right and then you I mean, what's that how does that process work for you do you do like a like a overall sketch and then refine it from that point until you you hit your finished product Something along those lines. I basically, if the sketch looks reasonable enough, I'm just like, fuck it, going on to the final. <laughs> so, because it's just like you can get stuck in sketch phases for days. Right. And it's just, you know, how many times am I going to do this same drawing without making it progressively worse? So, it's like, if it looks good, you know, I kept going with it. And, you know, I was. <sighs> In, the, in that scenario, it's just like, because I hate drawing cars, and he wanted a car to be, like, the central thing, and I'm like, yeah. oh, you're fucking kidding me. <laughs> but, you know, it turned out, it went a little bit smoother than I was expecting, and I was happy about that. Honestly, like, but, as far as a package goes, that Destroyer album, the music and your artwork for it, it's so per Like, you cannot ask for a, a, like, a more perfect, like, complete package for a musical concept like found footage. So yeah, both Kyle and I want to I say, I really appreciate that. Oh yeah. Found footage is like one of the hottest tracks on that album. And so <laughs> really, Thank yeah. You. So, and uh, Chris was telling us a story that, you know, you guys were bouncing stuff back and forth and eventually you apparently had to just give it back. Cause you just were going to take it over if you didn't. Yeah. I have a tendency to, um, like even most of the remixes that I've ever really done, it's like someone sends me a song and then they get it back. It's like, how much of the original song did you use? And it's like, I did use a fair amount of the original song, but most like I get, I like to get into the habit of abstracting the song a little bit. Like eventually it basically sounds like something totally different. I, I suppose. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that's a, a really good an interesting way to go about it because you ultimately you it's like when two people see a movie 
and they're both influenced by it. And then two people uh, have a different interpretation of that movie, but you're sort of right. doing the same thing with the person's song. And then you're, you're being, you know, like influenced and, and inspired by that. And it ends up being what it is. Right. I think that's, I think that's the part. It's the creative portion of like remixing and, you know, collaborating with other musicians that I am really engaged with. And I think in dark synth, you kind of, you have this potential of getting yourself into a hole where it's like, the song's already dark and heavy. What do I do to it? Make it darker and heavier? It's like, eventually, it's just, you're <laughs> Kyle says yes. doing the same song. <laughs> it's like, if it's like, okay, now we have another equally dark and heavy, almost identical same song, but maybe the side chain's different, and there's a different snare, and someone threw an arp on there. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it, it, I, you know, I don't know that there's a, there's certainly a lazy way to go about it, um, but I don't right. know that there's a, a a bad way to go about it. And you put your own stamp no, on it. So um, I, I need to get back to um, a question from Kyle. He says, uh, sure. when do we get a Stranger album EP? Oh, I'll, I'm working on that one. It's like we've been talk. I've been talking with actually Destroyer and a, a new Retrowave, but... I think just because of the time frame that we're on right now, it's probably not going to be out till next year, but I might try to release something small over the summer just to maybe hang on for people. But uh, mostly it's, I'm wanting it to be a, it's primarily going to be a graphic novel and the music is just something you get with it. That is fucking sweet. I think that's a great idea. So, and I, you know, I think there's a lot of anticipation. It's interesting because if you go on your, your Bandcamp page like 2016, yeah. someone left a comment like, Stranger is the most exciting thing to happen in <laughs> Dark Synth. I can't wait to see something be released. And then here we are, 2020, and we're, we're still kind of waiting. Have you been productive musically this whole time, or have you been kind of overtaken with your illustrative and remix work? I mean, a little bit of both. It's like... I think I hit a point where I was ruminating too much on the ideas and not actually, um, I wasn't really feeling what I was working on. So I had to take a break and kind of, uh, you know, reconsider what I wanted to do. And I think I really didn't start getting back into it until maybe last year. Cause I was almost, I was on the verge of probably like shutting down the project completely. Cause I just didn't feel like it was, going in anywhere interesting uh but between like you know talking with dudes like uh laser punk chris that definitely inspired me to uh pick it back up and give it another shot and i think i think what's coming is going to be a little is going to be interesting I, I could I could definitely speak for Colin as one. We're both very excited to hear what that is because it's kind of one of those things when you you hear something and it excites you and you instantly go, I want more of this. What is this? Can I get more of this? And and most of the time, like I'm pretty late to a lot of things. So there's like an album or two that I'm like, oh sweet, I get there's something for me to digest. With like your music is just there's a there's a few things and it's like. There's this anticipation. Well, I've been trying to cultivate mystique. Is it working? 
uh yes <laughs> uh so i mean you definitely the remix that you have is a great primer i think for folks and you know i really appreciate laser punk is it how do you pronounce his actual name is it toth or toth oh gabor gabor god okay yes gabor. okay because like when i read the thing it's his last name first then yeah, I I can't say I know all of that part, but I know it's Gabor. Okay, so Gabor, uh, he's he's been incredibly supportive. He goes by Gabe. Okay. Oh, he does. Yeah, he says here he sometimes goes. I should by stop Gabe. calling people by their DJ names <laughs> or by their mu- their musical alias. <laughs> the, the problem is like you know, like Kyle and I, we both know a lot of Chris's, and so it's just easier to go by the DJ name than it is to go because it's like which chris are you talking about right um, so I, I think you know uh, i'm also terrible at names so it's really just kind of like hard but it's like where have i seen this person before oh he's <laughs> selling stuff from this record okay right. <laughs> uh but you know so um laser punk has done a, i mean he's really been saying some really great things about you in, on social media and talking about yeah just how know fucking why <laughs> And so that's, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. You know, I, I really, you know, and so I think he's being a really good primer and advocate for you of, of, you know, what's to come. Um, and I know that everyone is excited. And, um, so hopefully we see an EP maybe this summer. I, that, that'd be fantastic. I would say keep your eye out for maybe about a three track EP and maybe a remix. Hey, anything is better than nothing. Hey, it'll probably, it'll like, I'll try to make it sooner, better than later, but uh, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Kyle says, give them to me. Yeah, we both, you know, uh, we both. And the funny thing is, though, uh, it's so hard to keep up with all the releases that are happening, but definitely like there are certain like artists that you keep an eye out for um their releases and what they're doing is there any is there any like dark wave or even synth wave or any music is there any uh, particular artist that you keep your eye out on and you're excited about listening to their stuff yeah what's coming up uh honestly right now like i'm finding a lot of great artists but like some of these dudes are actually like my friends and shit that i've like worked that i work with uh i gotta say in terms of dark and heavy electronic i have to tell you to check out dude morris black morris black i think is bringing some very fresh ideas to the world of dark electronic music um very innovative and i appreciate that uh also have to point out like alex and tokyo rose it's like it's always fun working with them and i think they're definitely pushing the genre of synthwave into the a far more eclectic and interesting cyberpunk direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I what, certainly look forward to more of that. What's your thoughts on Blood City? I think that it's probably the most unique and the most cyberpunk sounding thing I've heard from electronic music in quite a while in general. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. Uh, it took a f- it took like three or four listens to really kind of process everything. And right. once I, I got it on vinyl, just the, the way that you interact with it, 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 that's when it really clicked for me. It really like, I'm like, okay, I see what he's, I see what he's doing here. And it, it's really good. 
Um, so yeah, he's bringing, right. he's bringing, I mean, it's just like, there's like, there's dubstep, there's like borderline trip hop kind of like all this stuff going on. Um, but it just makes it really interesting and really engaging to listen to. Right. And it's like, I think that's what I've been craving. It's, there's only, you know, how, do, how do you, you know, add some new interest to something that is essentially dance music. It's like right. you break the beat up, you reference a lot of these different subgenres and you implement them in your own way. It's like, there's a, think a lot of opportunity to kind of mix this up and i think the album is a refreshing example of that yeah i mean it's it's crazy but it's like it almost seems we've we've hit like a i'm I'm not gonna say stagnant but there are certain hallmarks within the genre already you know you hear how many arpeggiated bases you know what i mean like (laughs) and they and they you know someone builds an entire song off of, of you know, just arpeggios in essence, and and when you first hear it in in the context, it's really exciting. But then when you hear the twentieth album build on that same concept, it gets really tiring. So you know, right. really appreciate Blood City for breaking that down. But then some people, you know, they work really well within the bounds and are very creative songwriters and use some very familiar tropes, if you will. Oh, and, absolutely. You know. It's, it's one of those things. Like, there's like a lot of like true more retro wave artists that it's like, I wouldn't say that I'm what I do is anywhere. Like we would not tour together by any means, but I have, but I listen to their stuff all the time. Like yeah. I love Robert Parker. It's like, I yeah. love, you know, laser Hawk power glove, I think is oh, fuck absolutely yeah. brilliant. Oh, love uh, power glove. Like, but they do that very authentic retro feel very, very well. And they pay attention to the contextual nature of their sound design. And I think it's more about understanding and writing music with that kind of thing in mind, rather than trying to, you know, check all of the synthwave trope boxes. Right. And I think when it's done right, I think synthwave could be the most freeing thing. Cause like, and this is my personal opinion. Synthwave really for me to, to be the most generic terms is it's really a synthesizer based genre of music, not necessarily a retro wave. That's a, that's a thing underneath it. But if you're using synthesizers or that kind of a thing, then your soundscapes are infinite. And so you've got room to do all sorts of stuff. Oh, Kyle says, um, how about that art for Blood City? It's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. He told me he wanted a city, and I was like, God, fuck, damn it. I'm one and a half. I don't know, city. man. Like, I don't know if you've seen, like, if you're familiar with many of my work, I'm not really a fan of the straight line. And drawing a bunch of buildings is an awful lot of very straight lines. So I definitely, I enjoyed working on it. I was nervous at first, um, but you know, Alex is good people, and I'm happy it turned out. <laughs> Kyle says, "Yeah, it a blood city." So, uh, you in your artwork is so like it's so specific. Like I think it's a hallmark of the scene, and it, in, and it's interesting that you know you're you're able to like leave your mark in two different ways, right? You're you've got your music, which is 
fantastic. You've got remixes, and then you have your artwork. So you've got like you've just put yourself like all over this whole thing. Uh, and those, Eric, you need to work on emoting. <laughs> Thanks, Kyle. Oh shit. Um, so yeah, uh, what's been one of your favorite uh, projects, art projects that you've done for somebody? Because I'm hearing like what you don't like: cars, cities. Like those are difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I like things that give me the opportunity to be weird. It's like I do the same with my music as, as art. It's like I want to make things that are a bit more unusual than, you know, the the very uh, universal cliches of illustration, especially because like my own like personal artwork uh, ranges from a very different group of things it's like i come from like a printmaking kind of a past it's like most of the stuff that i did was either for lithography or very traditional illustration but you know of course adding that surreal element right so working something that has like a very defined set theme is kind of an int has you know it's kind of an interesting way to adapt with this kind of culture and i'm happy that people seem to appreciate it and enjoy it so far uh it's it's a little bit more design for me than it is what i would consider to be like my own personal work right uh let's see though what project that i really enjoyed now i have to say i definitely enjoyed working with street cleaner yeah are you talking about the annihilation album or yeah because it's like i always kind of wanted to do it's like how do you make like a really overly macho like kind of theme poster it's like or it's like a montage of just a bunch of muscular dudes like brawling it out <laughs> and then just adding like the over the top stuff like oh he's a punk with like a chain and this guy's firing a laser and this guy's like an ogre <laughs> or something with like a liberty spikes so i liked the over the top nature of that and then trying to emulate that style of course though still doing it mostly in pen and ink rather than frank frazetta oil paints <laughs> right right but you know to me it almost it has that kind of like iconic sort of thing about it like because like you use like a very specific kind of like color palette no matter what you're working on um oh it's funny so kyle says he bought annihilation for the album art <laughs> <laughs> The album's good too, though. So yeah. I also had a street cleaner. Yeah, he's good. Absolutely. That's I mean, my <laughs> yeah, definitely street cleaner. I, I think you know, Kyle's. He says, I mean, it's good, but dead art. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I'm I'm glad. If, hey, if you bought the album, must have worked, right? Right. No, I definitely did enjoy working on that one, though. It's like I I really because comics are a lot of work, so. I was kind of interested to see though, like, all right, what's a scenario where his kind of character would interact? And it's kind of like this, you know, opening scene, uh, escape from New York kind of thing where you just have like the mysterious ambiance of the city kind of like, and then you see like your hero enter against a bunch of punks that are about ready to beat someone up or something. 
It's like, I kind of like that trope of 1980s. Yeah, it it very much reminds me of uh, like Escape from New York kind of like vibe. Right, kind of like gritty, a little bit uh, hokey at times, but it just has like a nice kind of cool edge to it. Absolutely. So you're you're talking about uh, David Cronenberg earlier, um, and that goes along with like, you know, liking really strange things. Is that something that you like got into like at a really young age like how how did that oh yeah definitely um when i was i think there was like a time period when i was like young where i seemed to watch all sorts of things way before i was of the age to really comprehend what i was watching same and it's just like i think the first one was altered states ah yeah and and it was uh hello hello are you you hear me? Yeah, sorry, I thought there was a cutout. Oh no! But it was a scene in Altered States where he had a goat head Jesus, yes, like, disappearing into the ether of the sky. It's like it was like three in the morning, and I woke up to get a glass of water, and the TV was on because I forgot to turn it off, and I saw that I must have been about like eight or nine years old. And then shortly after, I watched Akita, and I had no fucking idea what was going on. <laughs> And then I just started getting really interested in that kind of stuff. So when I found like David Cronenberg, he did these kind of like very moody, uh, a lot more psychological films where the body horror element played more of a metaphor rather than literal. Yeah. And I, I got really interested in that kind of approach. And I'm thinking some of those similar ideas are probably going to come through with the concept of this next album. Oh, that is exciting to me. So, uh, on a, in our previous podcast that we had, we d- dedicated an entire episode to make it lunch. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm a big, I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. Um, I just think, you know, as far as like horror directors or however you want to classify him, he's probably the most intellectual of, of the group. And so right. uh, that was a forum. In- him and Shinya Tsukamoto are yeah. definitely the kings of that area yeah. of like working with very visceral horror, but it's almost, it's also very poetic, very dramatic. Uh, there's a lot of intelligent commentary being made in the yeah. films. So they're not just like splatter horror flicks Absolutely. or very linear story. And I appreciate that. How about I? Uh, so Kyle asks, is it, was that the four hour episode? No, that was our first episode. That was on the making of Hellraiser. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was supposed to reply to the chats, but I'm, uh, I'm not very good with the, uh, multitasking. Oh, uh, that's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, the early eighties, or 80s uh, into 90s like that that time for like sci-fi horror kind of just cyberpunk cyber thriller comic thing is just i mean kind of going back to it now is a little cringy but i still really enjoy it like cyborg is such a shit movie but i absolutely love it which one was cyborg (laughs) cyborg is van damme and oh uh, god yeah i um, I never got quite that territory (laughs) Yeah, and it it was, you know, I'm interested. It's really so. It, it's kind of one of those typical like, it's a post-apocalyptic world, and Van Dam is the hero, obviously, 
and he's fighting against the basically street punks and the last remaining like cyborg, I guess he's like going to save this person and get them to this destination. That's going to restart the world is vaguely. Oh, oh no, I may have seen that. I get it confused with, uh, what was it? Uh, <laughs> whatever the universal soldier. <laughs> oh yeah. With, uh, Dolph Lundgren, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so kyle's goes uh the dude with the glasses the main bad guy so hot that's tight and then he says universal soldiers tight too <laughs> yeah so all Lord. those movies for me like i you know i grew up watching you know like also like that was a time of video stores i don't know how in, how big they were for you growing up but you would go and five for five and you know i'd go through and it seems like video stores like and maybe it's because like you had to physically walk through the space but you would find all these weird things and you just go that's a cool cover to a cassette now i'm gonna you know grab it and see what that's about and so just discovering all these really weird movies by cover alone like Pumpkinhead, you're like what the hell is this i need to get it it's like I remember like most it's weird. It's like I remember going through like Blockbuster and Hollywood video and stuff like when I was a kid when I was really little. And I was always like blown away by some of these posters. Like the one of the ones that I saw that I found was really striking at first was the cover for Rollerball with James Conn. Yeah. Yep. It's just like the gloved hand, the spike gloved hand in his face and it's all washy. And it's, I love that. It's such an amazing juxtaposition for an illustration. And it's just, I was always interested. And then I found out later, it's like, oh, it's airbrush. Airbrush and paint. <laughs> yeah. So Kyle goes, uh, dude, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> <laughs> dude, it's like, I, I really, I really, like, I really appreciated that kind of, that kind of thing. But I have to admit, I, the only movies that I've ever rented uh, ever were Godzilla movies, except for the one time that my mom told me to get something different. So I rented Gamera and thought it was like the bag serial version of Godzilla. <laughs> so I started Godzilla again. Wow. Uh, what? You don't fix something is isn't broke. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I really, ah, uh, man, Gamera is better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kyle. Um, yeah, that's really so. You must be a, a, a wee bit younger then, because uh, 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 yes, I suppose. Yeah, I don't. I I'm about to be thirty. How old are you? Uh, uh, we way older than that. Oh, Kyle says. Okay. Kyle says. Oh boy. Yeah, young guy. Oh no, so, is this creepy? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, so that I mean. And obviously you're still touched by that that era of it and, and really still were able to experience what that was because really those things disappeared, what, early 2000s? I forget when, like, yeah. most of blockbusters went away. I think it was, like, 2005. Yeah, we old. Yes, we are, Kyle. Um, yeah, I think, in, like, where I was at, it's like I started – the last one that I remember seeing was going out of business in 2008. And I remember going there and getting all the Godzilla movies that I'd rented as a child there and buying them from their clearance. Smart. Yeah. I remember like, and that's kind of like the same thing with like, 
I don't know if you had a media play where you were, but like when the rise of Amazon came about, it killed a bunch of, of uh, media stores. So uh, yeah, uh, I remember doing the same thing with uh, this store called media play. They had clearance out books and CDs and game. And I, you know, you go through 75, 90% off and buy everything you can. Um, the one that I had near me never had like sales or anything and everything seemed to be marked up super expensive for some reason. It's like, cause I remember it's like, I think I bought, I got a gift card there uh, for Christmas and I wanted to buy the Princess Mononoke DVD and I, I needed like, I still owed them like two bucks and it's like, that's a really expensive movie. It's not a good story, but I'm just sharing that. With you. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, so I mean, we've we've talked, uh, covered a lot of, of subjects. Is there other, you know, other big influences for you? Um, were you like into gaming? Obviously, a little bit of anime. If you're talking about Akira um, or Akira, for those that are would just want to go totally Americanized with it, um, other things yes. that influenced you? Um. I just try to be open to a few different things. Like I typically gravitate towards whatever things I find weird and somewhat jarring. Yeah. Uh, it's like, and a lot of it just comes from film, film scores, and also an appreciation for, you know, late eighties and early nineties mixes of, you know, electronic music as well as the birth of grindcore. I appreciate those two things, kind of how they grew together. Pig, pig destroyer, dude, fucking pig destroyer. <laughs> but like, also, uh, what was it? I believe the the album that I knew that I liked metal from was Carcasses, uh, uh, Necroticism, Descant, Descanting the Insalubrious. I still do not know to this day if I'm actually pronouncing it right, but uh, it's like. <laughs> It's a very, very, it's a very interesting album to me. It's like very groovy, but very jarring. A lot of strange, uh, no progressions in it. And it's just, I kind of liked how bizarre it was while still being groovy. And I know it's kind of like a weird idea, uh, but, you know, I think techno does that as well. Yeah. It's like how you implement, like implementing a strange sound design and strange melody into something that can be catchy. So Kyle says, um, he says he fucking loves Carcass, one of his favorite metal bands. Uh, Necroticism is the best, followed by Heartwork. Absolutely. Followed by Heartwork. Heartwork is not the best. Necroticism. (laughs) Wow. Um, I mean, I really, you know, there's a few things grindcore. I was definitely... You know, that wasn't quite my, you know, I know Pig Destroyer and Agoraphobic Nosebleed, which are kind of almost the same band. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, definitely, you know, metal for me, industrial, bands that mixed mixed the things together a bit. Um, or, oh, you, mentioned, you mentioned Godflesh earlier. It's yeah. like, do you, knew, you know uh, J.K. Flesh's uh, more techno project? No, what? Uh, yeah, from Godflesh. Uh, he did like a techno album called Horizon, New Horizons. It's really fucking good. It seems like a lot of those guys, like they ended up doing 
um, like as side projects, either like atmos, like even in like, um, like black metal, like they had like side projects that were atmospheric, like um, no vocals, either like electronic albums or or almost like musical scores. Um, right. So I'm not surprised by that at all because I, I think I, I think Martin Gore and Vince Clark have a techno side project together. Oh really? Yeah. So that's I mean. It, it, it's it's not surprising the 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 bleed over the Venn diagram of those influences the people in there like you just be and I a lot of times I like them better than the main bands that they're from uh, interestingly so but yeah I definitely you know like Fear Factory was a huge thing for me in certainly in the nineties because you know they you know had. Had you know a bunch of or two albums produced by Reese Fulber, who's from Frontline Assembly, and I love Frontline Assembly. So, oh yeah, Frontline Assembly. Now that that's pretty quintessential industrial, right there. Yep. So, do you listen to Author and Punisher at all? Oh my God, yes. <laughs> Actually, if you could see me right now, my poster is right behind me. That's awesome. Yeah, so that that was a really surprising thing. So I, I had a coworker that turned me on to him uh, a few years back and showed me that video of him like operating all of his machinery, making this like just absolutely crazy music. And um, right, it's absolutely. I, I don't even really. It's it. I guess industrial is like the best place. Maybe I could put him. I think he. I've heard like a few things, but it's like industrial doom metal because it's still like slow and sludgy, but I admire just, you know, you ever think about it's like, how do you make a painting? Well, you use paintbrushes. This guy made new tools. Yeah, to he literally made this. his own I think instruments. This guy's transcended that a bit, and I think it's creating an entirely different approach that makes it so interesting uh, because, you know, I think heavy like very dungeonous sounding metal music or electronic music has existed for a while, but yeah. the culmination of the two, the way, you know, Tristan and author and Punisher does it, uh, is profoundly unique. So what, um, you know, we get past this whole pandemic thing. What is, what, what band do you want to go see next live? Like, they're coming around. The ban is lifted. Who do you want to go see? Uh, I'll have to get back to you on that one. I need to it's... figure out who's on tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no one's on tour right now. So um... I don't know. Well, I'm waiting for the devastation on the nation uh, tour to pick back up again because was that some buddies that I've worked with uh, and they're in a black metal band around here, uh, Imperial Triumphant. Okay. Uh, they uh, got on the bill, but also it's like, I really want to see Borknagar and Rotting Christ because I've never seen them and they're old school. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. electronic wise, I still need to see Power Glove at some point. He said that pin you did for them was amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, it's like one's their logo. The other one is the uh, the trident image. Uh, but yeah, that's something that I, once again, I kind of cultivate a specific look for that band. Um, I kind of like working in that sort of sense. Uh, that's kind of the collaboration, I think. 
So it's not just my art for me. It's right. It's kind of like a joint project. <laughs> and what's interesting is it, it, it's still very much you at the same time. Like I, you know, I can like I've got a bunch of of records that you've done the artwork for, and you can just like flip. You're like, yep, yep, yep. That's all Andrew's work. Like it's even though they're different things, obviously. Um, right. But it's very distinct, and it, it's kind of like you know that's the same thing with like Mizukat and uh ariel zb and um like there's just certain people that they've got a very distinct way that they work and it's it's great so um for you are you looking to ever tour is that not something that you like what are your feelings on playing live and, and getting out there i mean i'm not opposed like i'm definitely considering what the options are for it it's like i've had a lot of I've had issues in the past with like, you know, same thing as laser punk. It's just like so many technical issues. It's like, it's a lot to think about. And also it's I'm trying to figure out like what would be an enjoyable uh, performance, especially in terms of like what I'm trying to do with my music. So I'm once I, it's like I'm leaning towards doing something different for a live performance, but I'm trying to pan that out before I, really come out and say anything <laughs> right and because there's a lot of like there's a lot of different it's a it's a real struggle that electronic artists especially like if you're presenting a very particular mood it's something that a lot of the artists that struggle with because like what is your what's the reason that someone's going to come out and watch you like what's the thing like just hitting space on a keyboard is not very entertaining right obviously oh dude trust me i've done that and it's just like you know what i'm not even having fun <laughs> in fact i'm terrified right so uh so like i get that yeah so it's interesting to see um more people and, and I, I think that's where like ghost and perturbator have moved to incorporate that live element into their shows because it just it it's makes them so much more engaging and dynamic to watch agreed um and then there's obviously like the strong visual element. So like, you know, like Perturbator has a lot of lights. Like I think I almost went into a seizure the last time I saw Perturbator. Um, it was, it was fantastic. And Kyle blacked out during that show. So he missed it. It was pretty, it's pretty great. Um, uh, that's how you know he's good. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, shit. So it's really, do you find inspiration? Uh, cause like you're obviously very, um, involved like the night Sam Valentine and night wave. Um, hmm. do you find inspiration from what people are doing? Uh, that's interesting to you and kind of like take that and tuck it, tuck it away and go, maybe I could do a version of something. Uh, are you referring to what do you, how do you figure in a, like within the Nightwave crew? Well, no, no, just in general, like, cause you, you obviously get a lot of exposure to what people do in the scene, right? To distinguish themselves. Have you seen anything that's been really interesting to you? It's like, honestly, I can't say I have not ver been up to, haven't heard many new things uh, recently. It's like, I've been kind of, trying to figure out my own steps gotcha. and like sort of some of the people that I've been working with. Um, I've kind of been in lockdown mode in that regard. Yeah. Uh, I also, it's like, I don't typically listen to other synth artists to get ideas for what I'm going to do. Sure. So I try to separate myself a little bit from that. 
and then I kind of revisit and like find these guys uh, so I can appreciate their music. Right. On its own. I always have that uh, strange kind of, you know, it's like you listen to one thing and you inadvertently kind of start projecting it into your own, your own uh, outlet. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's pretty common and interesting that I've talked to, you know, friends that are in the scene that, produce music they don't and even i'm sort of guilty of it i don't necessarily listen to my friend's music per se you know just it like and you just get inadvertently influenced by what they do or a genre of thing and there's this quote from i think peter Steele when because whenever they ask like a typo negative like album what is this going to sound like and he always says the same shit like a mix between black sabbath and pink floyd and it's never references anything modern. Like, you know, no, you know, these guys aren't listening to, you know, contemporary people. They're just listening to, um, you know, what, what's always inspired them. So you, you don't right. accidentally steal ideas from somebody else. Cause it's really easy to do subconsciously. I mean, I'm also not really too worried about that either, but I think I kind of approach it in the sense of, Electronic music started with samples. Yeah. And a lot of times, like reinterpreting other sounds, but applying them in different contexts. So I kind of like the collage element of, of these different sounds and new ways to emulate them that always sound radically different. Uh, and also, it's just, I think, in terms of like right now listening to a thousand new syntax a day to find the handful that I think are doing something very interesting, you know, I will get back to it. It's like, well, yeah. Right how now, do you even keep up with it? Coming out and stuff. Yeah. And I'm taking a look at them. It's like, that's actually kind of why I like the night wave crew because they all kind of do their own thing. And the synth wave element is just kind of, a common interest of ours, but I wouldn't say any one of us is immediately synthwave. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely uh, agree with that. Um, and I think that's a really great way to kind of, uh, you know, approach things as everyone has their, because it seems more, and maybe you can, maybe you'll agree with this, maybe not, but like it, there seems to be like a common fondness towards a certain influence. And then, you know, uh, you interpret that as you do and everyone has their own thing on it. Yeah. Oh, what's this? Chris is laughing at me cause I can't talk right now. Which Chris is that Kyle? Cause again, we know too many Chris's. Wait, is there another person? Oh, 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 destroyer. Sorry. So destroyer is laughing at, at Kyle. Cause he can't, What? where's destroyer. He's here. No, no, he's, he's, Kyle's talking to him, probably on Instagram yeah. or something. Oh, I'm locked down too. Can we take a call? <laughs> we could, hey, uh, yeah, we could definitely invite him in if he wants to join in. Um, yeah, so that's, you know, sorry, I'm reading here, locked down too. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the people that I w really want to see live is Destroyer, actually. It'd just be really interesting to see the energy that he brings to a live set. And I'm hoping uh, that we get off lockdown in time for Neon Retrofest because that seems to be um, going to be the, the big... 
Oh shit, we should. <laughs> oh, you're typing. <laughs> Why'd you turn my <laughs> Oh shit. Here we go. No. Uh, it's when we were working on of uh, found footage, uh all of the stuff that I sent him had was extremely blown out and had a ton of delay and reverb. And then when he like when I heard the, like the final version, it's like he kind of he trims it down and keeps it neat in his own like sound design. And I like that. But I'm always just like, dude, you should put, give it like a ton of reverb. That's awesome. Oh. <laughs> Oh, what does Kyle have to say? What is he? <laughs> Drama incoming. Oh, God. That's <laughs> funny. Speaking of which, I also have some other thing I need to do for him tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see here. I'm going to give it. Hey, Kyle, do you have anything you want to talk to Andrew about? Hold, hold up. Hold okay. Up. All things. Hold. <laughs> this really sucks. Kyle's actually dying. I'm not going to correct that one. You know, it's, here's what I could do. This is funny. I'll okay. Ca I'll call him on my phone. Hey, Kyle, how about I call you and I'll put you on speakerphone? Fine, I'll tell him. I'll, I'll... Haha, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Phil Collins. <laughs> what? Oh, Chris... <laughs> Yeah, but we're we're gonna try something funny here. This is probably to work out absolutely terribly. Is this, is this I'm waiting for it. Uh, well, I can hear you just fine. Okay, perfect. So now I'm part of the show then. Yeah, you're actually on the show. Oh, dude. <laughs> we should have done this from the very start. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> Damn, why'd I have to have this good idea like? an hour into the damn thing. God damn it. I'm completely fucking lit too right now and the echo is going crazy. And shit. It sounds like you're running your vo your voice through a bit crusher. It's like I can, I can not quite hear you. I'm somewhere stuck between 8 and 16 bit. Somewhere between that. That's where I, that's my, like, ideal area. Oh, shit. All right, Kyle, you've got the opportunity. Talk, buddy. Well, I guess, I mean, most of the stuff I said earlier in my, like, chat stuff. But it's, I would have to say, like, your artwork now, you are the person who is the go-to. Like, Ariel ZB was. Mizukat was like you are now the person like if you have a synthwave album if you don't have your artwork for your album you aren't shit 
I'm gonna tell Ariel that. <laughs> no, sorry, bro. Your time's done. <laughs> no, I, I like talking with Ariel. He's he's nice to uh, have you know illustrator illustrator trade working talks. They're always kind of cynical and judgy, but they're good. <laughs> Why didn't we do this from the start? I feel like I have missed like so many opportunities to interject. Like, ugh. <laughs> so much stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry, Logan, I didn't get back so much to the chat as uh, much as I could have. It's like, okay. uh, you know, like, to read and talk. Now that we're on lockdown, I'm like hitting up girls and flirting because I'm like, what are you going to do? Come over and see me? So it's like, <laughs> I'm sending out all these messages. I don't care if I don't get anything back. That's the danger element. <laughs> like, try me. I don't, whatever. Oh my God. Are you staying safe? Hey, I'm man. staying safe. I'm not staying sober. <laughs> well, at least you're not going anywhere. I got things on lock. I'm like, I'm thriving. Dude, you are obliterated. That I'm in right now. <laughs> I want to stay at home. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to do anything. Like, keep me at home. Home's good. Home's especially now. This is gonna be like my worst interview ever i come in at the end on speakerphone drunk <laughs> drunk that, i mean that's not different than normal but i do feel better like my hangover isn't as bad as it was drinking does that that's so, really like, here's my tj miller voice for you <laughs> so now that you're at the end is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about any question you want to ask well i'm mean, writing a new book my normal fanboy thing like found footage is such a fucking hot track so good. thank you i'm actually happy chris made my parts actually sound like good and well produced <laughs> no your parts were good and well produced you're very humble. You're actually, so my parts were good too. <laughs> I like that. Like your artwork is the hottest. What you do is amazing. Like, oh, I, I appreciate that. I'll try to not do something ridiculous. Ooh, so good. So good. All right. Now, any questions, okay. Kyle? Any questions before we wrap up? I just want to say it was really weird when you mentioned the rollerball thing in my mind and I was typing out rollerball artwork. You know, it's weird. The same thing happened to me like when I was in a school, like an art school, uh, we were talking about like poster designs with one of my professors and he couldn't think of what the title of the movie was, but he described the name of the poster and it's like, Oh my God, I've seen that poster too. And then, like, a week later, I see it in the store, like, in this, uh, like, secondhand video uh, record store kind of deal. And it's like, holy shit, it's Rollerball. That's what it was. And I, like, had to go back and tell him. It's just because we were both, our minds were, like, blown. It's like it's a poster that you know you've seen it, but you might not remember. Absolutely. It's iconic. That's the most iconic movie artwork poster that's 
ever been made. Like, it is so good. Like, the movie isn't very great, but that artwork and the poster for it is out of this world. It's kind of like The Thing. <laughs> Whoa! The, the movie, well, no, no, no. The, well, the movie is I think both of those movies are pretty good. No, Different no, no, no. spectrum. Whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. What I'm saying is... Thing. Like, that movie is amazing. No, 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 but the, the, the poster is iconic. Oh, the one... Well, which one? There's like a couple good ones i mean the one with the are you referring to the one with uh, the, the guy in the like hood and kind of gleaming light from him yeah that that one the original yeah. artwork is absolutely iconic right i think i had a shirt of that at one point i've got a couple I of shirts a shirt of <laughs> you see yeah we both no, do. i have one of the 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 conjoined faces and it's just white on black oh that's awesome Right? Seriously, like that's the most, the best icon of body horror that I think I've ever seen in my life. Really? It really is. Just like the two faces attached. Like if you could make body horror into a logo, it would be that. Oh, uh, so I'm going to bring it back. Like, can we talk about uh, Target for a little bit? Talk, talk about, about what now? Targets. Targets? Carcass, the band. Oh, Carcass. 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 Oh, Carcass. Yeah, yeah, by all means. Sorry, speakerphone be getting fucked up. Dude, I get it. So, so yeah, it? <laughs> is probably one of my favorite metal albums ever. To the Necroticism? Extreme, yeah, I met Michael Abbott. Absolutely. And, like, I, I got to sit down with him and Gus G for a while and talk with them. And my spelling and my name got brought up. And Michael I saw Emmett, it. It's like they said that something about your parents. Michael yeah. Emmett told you your parents were holy shit, dude. But yeah, Michael Emmett's like, your parents are retarded. <laughs> <laughs> and the way they my name. You know what's weird though? What I got from that statement is you guys got to see you got to see Carcass when Michael Emmett was still in it, and that's awesome. Actually, it was later. He was coming through town with uh, Arch Enemy. Oh, right. He came to a uh, guitar shop that's local. So I went in there and just like sat down and talked to him for a while. And I had him sign my Arch Enemy albums and my Carcass albums. And awesome. We just like talked about it and that came up because he wanted to know, you know, how to spell my name for to, to personalize my album. Of course. Right. But I feel like that was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. Like, <laughs> this person from this That's band told me that my parents are stupid, so that gives me like 100% validation. <laughs> it's a strange, it's like it's a bittersweet. It's like I got to meet Michael Emmett, but I think he called my parents retarded. <laughs> I was with him on that. I was like, oh, That's okay. a very unusual. <laughs> I would it's like, okay. I love your guitar for it. It's great. It's my boy right there. <laughs> Tells it like it is. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. All right. Kyle, you have anything else? Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I wasted it all with the chat earlier on. Okay, cool. Andrew, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. We really appreciate you coming on. Uh, we're really excited for uh, 2020. You heard it here. AP, three songs, hopefully this year, album next year, possibly. Um, so look out for that. Also, currently, um, 
you are featured on laser punks different forms of power check that track out um anything else you want to shout out andrew while you got while you're here uh there was something but i don't remember um (laughs) (laughs) i'll like i'll share this in on social media with the thing that i forgot (laughs) all right well until next time this is eric this is kyle have a good one Fucking paradise, I came.